Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the world, I welcome you to Wow, what a show. And what a show it has been. God has truly, truly met us in the reading of the Proverbs. I have been so completely <laughs> turned on with this book and turned around in thinking that it is only for what? Wisdom sayings. This book corroborates with God's word throughout the Bible. And we have a, a stamp and an approval of our understanding of much that is going on here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I am Phyllis, your host. And Wow What a Show is the live outreach of the Hoboth Institute of the Arts. We have a uh, podcast site where we have many episodes. And uh, those episodes are conversations, some of them. Others are are our ponderings in the way the Lord has answered us in dealing with some of the issues of life. You may find there something that would be of interest to you. It's Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. And as you can see, the nickname here is RIA, R-I-A. That's what it stands for, of course. Uh, also, we have uploaded a group of children's stories from the regular, you know, literature, uh, from, you know, just literature. And we will culminate their reading of these stories by Rudyard Kipling, uh, the Just So Stories, with a reading from um, the book of Genesis. And our guest in those conversations will be some little tiny ones. It might be great fun. I do hope you will visit there. And again, on Monday night coming, we're going to have a new series start with Pastor John Thomas. It'll be just once a week, and it is Living Single with God. So if you have some single friends, whether they be you know young or old, you might invite them to join. Good morning, Fresh in Spaces. I'm so thankful that you're here. Uh, we are in uh, the, the series, Apples of Gold, reading through Proverbs. And we have arrived at a very important juncture, and that is chapter 30. Chapter 30. And I've invited a few people to join us, but Freshen is here this morning because this will this one will 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 uh, I think merit a good deal of conversation. So Freshen, would you like to read or shall I? Well, since we're coming on the end of it all, I thought we might share. <laughs> we only have good, about I like uh, it. we have yeah, thirty-three verses. And mm -hmm. I know the first, in terms of how this chapter sort of categorized up to 16, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. Augur's Confession. So we have a new mm -hmm. proverb writer. And we know that mm -hmm. Solomon wrote most of the proverbs, but there have been two times where another speaker has been introduced. And so 1 to 16 could be a section. And then 17, maybe to 33 could be a section. So I'll get you started. And if you want to good. come in on 17, we can do it that way this morning. Okay. Very good. I shall. Okay. Thank you. Well, good. God, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, I thank you that you are ever present. An example of that sometimes is when we say, oh, you know, what's going on? Or we're surprised by something and we can mm. remember uh, that you are in the midst of our surprises and 
honestly, Lord, the life we live is a wonder life. I know that there's so much suffering. I can think of brothers and sisters I've read about and know about who've had the type of suffering we would have prayed against. But you took them on, Lord Jesus, and our hope is in our internal life. And so we actually stand more bold, and I understand it more now than ever. You can stand more boldly um, after tragedy somehow. And uh, Mm. I don't say that lightly. I still pray for your protection. I still pray for your uh, grace and your strength. I just know that everybody's moved on. And so what do we do? We are privileged to be sitting here to say, even in the surprises, our God is present. We don't have to find him. He was always there looking. We were the surprised ones. And we just thank you, Lord, that you surprise us this day with um, letting us see how your word is alive. We talk about novels and we speak about them and write about them in the present tense because we consider them living documents. The stories were never meant to die as if they were research from the past. They're always living. And we have a sure and living word. It's amazing. It really is. And I pray that people would begin to understand that when they hear cliches, you know, from Christians and they say, oh, they've got a line all the time. It's because we know (laughs) I can't put it in another phrase sometimes else you'd be sitting there listening to me all day. But we have these phrases because we say, I can say this because I know. (laughs) And we're trying to pass it on in little snippets to other people. God is good. Yes, he is. Well, that comes packed full of experience. So this morning, God, we thank you that you are present in our lives and that this word would be active and living for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We have the words of verse 1 and chapter 30, the words of Agur, the son of Jekeh, even the prophecy. The man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Ukai. Surely I am more brutish than any man, he says, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy who has ascended up into heaven or descended, excuse me, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended, who hath gathered the wind in his fist. Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou can tell? Every word of God is pure. And I'm going to stop right there, readers. He's asking a series of questions. And at first you think he's asking just so that he can, you know, maybe check himself. Have I done it? But somehow in the reading, and he probably is, but in the reading, by the time he gets to the end of the questioning, we have our answer. (laughs) And he's asking that, who is he? So let's see if he reveals it. But if for some reason it doesn't go in the way you expect, know that we have the answer. Who has ascended? Why haven't? Who's gathered the waters? We know we haven't. Who has bound the waters? We haven't. Who's established? And then all of a sudden in a proverb, You get the reference of a son, and we know who that reminds us of. 
<laughs> so what is his name? What is his son's name? If thou canst tell, but even if it's a literal taking of what he's saying, somehow I can't forget that there is a God whose son has done all these things as we understand them as creator of the earth. And so this is a really beautiful thing when you have these uh, rhetorical uh, types of questions but we can come up with answers and we pray that God would give us all that answer. So let's go to verse five. Every word of God is pure. It is. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. He is. Just to my mind, I was thinking, you are a shield to my mind. We think of a shield in terms of our protection and Lord knows uh, having my children and traveling back and forth, I depended on him and still do to be a shield literally when I get in the car, walk in the house, anything. But he is a shield in more than one way. I was thinking this week, he's a shield of my mind. And verse six says, add thou not unto his words then everybody, lest he reprove thee and thou be a liar. Mm. Let me go back. Yeah, he is a, his word is pure. It says he's a shield to us that put our trust in him. So add not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. This is the speaker. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, Lord, and say, who is the Lord? Uh-huh. And we see that. Lest we be full and deny you, Lord, and say, who? Who are you talking about? Are you serious? Yes. I did this. Like a guy told me one time, why do you always stop and then give him credit? <laughs> it was a testimony <clears throat> to the fact that there is darkness over someone's eyes. Why do you always say he's doing something or working out something? I couldn't believe the question. I can't quote it, but I, it was really interesting how he said yes. the very thing that I testify of. How do you give him credit? Thank you, Jesus. Mm. So Amen. lest we be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Mm. So he's asking, Lord Jesus, just don't give me too little. I don't want to fall into the temptation of then, you know, taking your name in vain and being sorely, you know, frustrated with my situation and my lot that I somehow blame you, turn on you and take your name in vain and sort of have a lack of faith in your ability here. I don't want to be too poor, Lord, but I don't want to be too rich either because I know on the other end of that, I walk in pride as if I have done the thing and I mm. may fall into that. And in that same vein, I reject you there. So neither one, just enough. And I love the line before that where it says, feed me with food convenient for me. Verse 10 says, accuse not a servant unto his master lest he curse thee and thou be found guilty. There is a generation that curses their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed 
from their filthiness. There is a generation, mm. oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Let me stop here. Before we get to that one last verse, literally there is a generation and I feel like every generation may say this because they see the progression of mankind in a way that had not been seen or a repeat of some horrific attitude or event in history. But surely we can sit here again and say there is a generation that curseth their father and mother, literally, mm. and in the general sense, they're saying, are you kidding? You don't have to uh, go to your parents and get permission. You don't have to be subject. Hey, if that girl wants to change her gender here at 17 before she's 18, 16, 17, you got to let her. How dare you suppress her mm. expression of who she is? Only so the girl can come back in her early 20s and be under what? the umbrella of depression, regret, blaming, suing people. How could you have let me do this? But in the <clears> moment, curse your father, curse your mother, talk back, disrespect. It's always in every generation, but surely our culture teaches our kids that they can <clears> go their own way. And this is not even etiquette at this point, okay? Um, don't suppress them. They get away with this. There is a generation that's pure in their own eyes, Absolutely. And science hasn't helped us any. Okay. I always think mm. about the more we move forward and I read the word, I go, God's probably going, the more you move backwards. Sure. I let you, you know, delve into these things and, and explore, but every time you use them, you can't stay steady. Something's going to get perverted. <laughs> Something's going to be contrary. So in all you're getting, you are losing. It's as if I want to go back. Yet I know they had the same problem. It's just a perpetual, you know, thing. We're, we're moving toward the salvation of the Lord, period. It was inevitable. The more I see it, it's inevitable that we move there no matter what we do. Our lean is towards something mm. that will always go astray. No matter how good of a tool it can be used, he uses us in spite of who we are because there is a generation that appear in their own eyes yet is not washed from their filthiness. And in case you again think the word is too heavy, some things are pure filthy, period. No need of putting you know, a white towel over it. Mm. They are filthy, but there are lots of things that we don't deem as filthy that are abomination in the sight of God. And, you know, instead of trying to go deep into that, that is the way it is. You know, the sun rises and sets in a, in a figurative sense, and that's how it's going to be. There is no man who can put a handle on things. So if you're out of the way, if you are stuck in your own pride, I don't care how sweet it looks in a polo shirt, you are going to be seen <laughs> filthy. You were born in trespasses and sins. Even your best neighbor was. They can't help it. We're born under the umbrella of our own way. We were born separated in our spirit from God, and he has called us to himself into his marvelous light. And the Bible says, Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light. So that mm. only puts us in the filthy box. Um, we're not washed from our sin when we walk in this way. And there's a generation, lofty are our eyes. 
that is so true. I can't even, I'm not even, if I had planned on having a conversation about that, it would go far in my day-to-day walk, eyes lifted up in a broader sense in terms of the kings of the earth. Um, to some degree, even the best of the kings, uh, well, they all, everyone has to contend with this temptation, but it is a, mm. an amazing thing to, to look around. Even the lowly man can see that we are lifted up. We are lofty in our own eyes. And Amen. I can't say much about that. And, and it will probably maybe come back to that a little bit. Um, just trying to get look at another thing here to see if I can give us another word to sort of move on with this loftiness. And I think I've got it. Um, hmm. Well, let's try again. Let's keep moving to verse 15. Um, the horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. Okay, we'll come back to that. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things say not, it is enough. And these are the things, audience. The grave never satisfied, nor did it ever say, I've got enough. The grave. Hmm. The barren womb never says, I'm satisfied. Hannah wanted a child for all those days until God granted it. She never said, it's enough. The earth that is not filled with water doesn't say, I'm okay. Well, I'll make it. We're always, the earth itself is always looking to be watered. And the fire that saith not is enough. A fire like the forest fire can burn on and on and on, okay? Um, and so we'll come back again and explore those last two verses. But as you see, we're getting in here and this confession, these proverbs are a little different. It's not a constant contrast between one uh, behavior, thought, or move to another. This is a, a, a different rendering. And I'll let Phyllis finish before we head back. Okay. Um, I was really trying to get a clar- get clarity on the horse leash, but I shall go on and pick up our read. Uh, the grave and the barren womb. Is, I'm sorry, in verse 16, right? Yes. Yes. Verse 17. Okay. The ver- verse 17. 17. Okay. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. For three things the earth is disquieted, and for four which it cannot bear, for a servant when he reigns, and a fool when he is filled with meat. For an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid, 
that is heir to her mistress. I I I, I want to stop, you know, uh, kind of and give a explanation, but these verses are mailed and their um, structure is such that they go together. So I'm going to keep reading and then come back and Anna, you can help fill in with me if you will. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The comies are but a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth, all of them, by bands. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. There be three things which go well, yea, four are comely in going. A lion, which is strongest among beasts, and turneth not away from any. A greyhound, a he-goat also, and a king against which there is no rising up. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. Surely the churling of milk bringeth forth butter and the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. This is an amazing chapter, and you've done such a wonderful job in opening us up in it that I really kind of don't want to dive in. I really want to hear uh, what you're saying. But the reason that I continue to read is because there is the contrasting of, um, I'm sorry, not contrasting, but the comparison of something dire with those things that are amazing. And uh, here the uh, writer has for sure taken us into the structure. The structure of this is really uh, just amazing. There, I just love it. Um, it's funny that yeah. this is the only chapter that actually is written by this author. I did look yes. at that research. And so there is no other mention of um, Ugger literally at all. Uh, so we don't know much mm -hmm. about the writer of this, these proverbs, and they definitely are structured slightly different. And so that, that could be right. one of the mysteries <laughs> behind it. Yeah. And even in, in terms of the names given there, um, there is a, a a supposition, so to speak, that these are what they're calling Aramaic Ar Aramaisms. In other words, they may be mm. phrases in the Aramaic language, and so they are not necessarily people. But nonetheless, the structure of these these uh, uh, verses are, are, are really quite amazing. That we find here some elements of Jewish poetry, all of which are not explained. But I am so sure that this must be it. Yea. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. In other words, I'm sitting, I'm thinking, wow, 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 right? And this is why I want to show. And every time we open it, I cannot help myself but repeat Psalm 19 because there is something there that is wonderful to, to me. But when I say one thing, something else opens up in my mind. In other words, um, Yea, 
before that I know not. I can't even I can't even attain unto the knowledge that is being revealed here. And then he speaks of these four things, right? <laughs> the way of an eagle in the air, an amazing creature. That eagle is um, the. I think I don't think there's another bird that can do what the eagle does when there is a great storm, the hurricane, right, or the uh, tornado. The eagle has the strength and the wisdom to fly straight into the eye of that storm and be saved. He's safe there. Even the way of the eagle in in the way that they treat their children, how they get their young up and becoming little eaglets, right? <laughs> the way that they take them out of the nest and teach them to fly because they are going to fall at first. And the eagle's strength is to swoop them up and take them. It is an amazing way that eagles have. And then this way of a serpent on a rock. Well, I don't like serpents, so I didn't go and try to figure this one out at all. But we know <laughs> that this serpent can take on the color and the shape of anything. And that they bask in the sun, right? So they can be there and probably be not seen. You can check me out on that one. Like I said, I don't read about serpents except to pray that the Lord keep them, you know, uh, <laughs> because they're so so the uh, emblematic or symbol symbolic of the serpent, the devil, right? Satan and his and his slithery ways and his beguilement, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea. When I took chemistry or biology or something, and I learned about surface tension, and that's how that ship stays afloat, and that ship is very heavy. You would think it would, would drown, but it doesn't, because God has set in our universe certain uh, principles that uh, allow man to become the dominant over the over everything he said subdue the earth in when he created and he gave man the knowledge to discover and find out his way in in terms of subduing it his principles and yet like i love what you said about science science is problematic from time to time because they're discovering things and then they they move it away from the very one who created it and think that it is random. How could these things be random? This, the surface tension, just the, you know, just having that come to mind uh, right now, you are, you will trust that surface tension, by the way, when that boat is out there, you'll be in that mm -hmm. ship. And, and really, if there's no storm, that ship will sail. It's going to sail. So the way of a uh, ship in the midst of sea and a way of, of a man with a maid. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. A man with a maiden. That the courtship, right? The uh, interactions. God has put something in us that draws us into attraction. Mm -hmm. And everyone is being attracted according to the person that he is. Our eyes don't even see beauty in the same way. So who is very attractive to me may not be very attractive to you. And the person's personality may not suit you, but it would probably suit me. I mean, it will suit me. The way of a man with a maiden, a maiden, he didn't marry her yet, <laughs> but 
he's more likely to do so because of these attractions. So is the way of an adulterous woman. Now, he's moving from this wonderment, right? And he's given us four things that are wonderful to him. And he likens it to an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and say, I have done no wickedness. Now that astounds a man. What? That is the wow now. The wow is no longer to the greatness of things, but rather to the depravity of a thing. Not mm -hmm. only does the adulterous woman or man, I want you to hear it, the man being a, an adulterous person can get up and with no remorse, no recognition of the sin, wipe their mouths as if they have done nothing. So it's a juxtaposition of two opposites, one being something to be uh, admired and uh, is, is a magnified expression of God in the earth to one that is so depraved and has absolutely no knowledge of the way of God. And Anna, you set a pretty stage for that. You talked about it in, in the uh, former uh, section that you went through. Now, I, I like this, but I haven't studied. This is called a quadruple. Um, it's it's in, in the form of a tetrad but it is an extended one. And we can talk about that at another time. In verse 21, uh, here we go again. For three things, the earth doth tremble, the very earth itself. And for four, it cannot bear. A servant when he is a king. Oh my goodness. You know, I said to my sister one time, I said, I don't think, I don't think a thug, a thuggish man should ever possess lots of money. And mm -hmm. she said, what? You know, she just went off. And I said, uh, yeah, because what will he do except supply his thuggishness more and more? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A man with a criminal mind, a man who is a bully and a, or a woman, mm -hmm. a person who has no sense of what to do with excess wealth, mm -hmm would hurt themselves. And I think that before they're allowed to amass that kind of money, they should be taught about themselves first and definitely the way of the Lord. And then they won't consume, be consumed with they, uh, their the, the money gives you access. And so you'll be consumed, right? And uh, a fool when he is filled with food, <laughs> I suppose that when a fool is filled with food, he thinks that that's the end of the matter. He's got it all. He needs no more. But when he's hungry, there's nothing more because we've learned so much about the fool in the reading of Proverbs. And remember, a foolish person cannot be guided or directed in the way he should go at all. So when you feed, you know, and I think I, I think I was in outreach. Now, Anna, please jump in and change, you know, check me on everything that I say, please. I'm, I'm asking you to do so. Um, if you have another, another take on that, I would love to hear it. Do you? Right. On this verse in particular? Yeah, I, I was actually going mm -hmm. to um, jump in on 23. Um, but with that, since they're all in a series, um, I was thinking the right. whole when uh, meat is given. Um, and let's go back. The earth is disquieted mm -hmm. by what? Is disquieted or it can't bear? 
the servant when he reigns. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. What you said, and mm-hmm. the fool when he's filled with meat, I was thinking in terms of the easily swayed. You know, we, we had a proverb, and I was trying to think of what it was. Right. But yes. you tend, the people who are most manipulated um, are, mm-hmm. you fatten them up. You come to, there's a proverb, you come to the king's table, but the king's uh, right. intention on having you there really is not because he wants you there. He's not extending a benevolence and a kindness because he likes you. It's usually to manipulate you and to get something for you. So I just had that thought for 22 in terms of, um, you know, just sometimes being easily manipulated because of what you've got. But surely I think it stands on um, you're even more foolish, like what you said, um, you know, just being filled with the things that it's sort of feed, it's feeding your appetite. He gives full reign to yeah. his appetite, right? So you become even more foolish. <laughs> and I, I don't know if we can do that, but I, I did sort of um, put a little note on that that is not my note. And it has to do with mm-hmm. that. And that is um, becoming even more, quote, devoid of understanding than you were before. So that whole right. idea, if you can get a picture in your head, of someone sitting there and fattened up and filled up. And I look at, again, I I use this because I don't, I'm not joking when I say this is a very hard subject for me. But when I see some young fellas and some young girls who have been fattened up with the riches they have sought through illegal means, they do Mm -hmm. not change. They are fattened Mm -hmm. up in their fatness. And they seem to then just be empowered to move in the same way. So these are things that disquiet our living. These are things that eventually cannot be born. The servant, when he turns around and reigns us, the fool, and that's the key word, when he Mm. is filled with meat. Why? Why isn't here? But why would he say that? Because. What happened? What's the outcome? And I think that's how these proverbs are written sometimes for us to go to. What is the outcome? They would have known the outcome if this is written mm-hmm. in the context of the way people are, you know, the writers viewing what he sees in life and, and offering these words. How can we now see this when we are fattened up in our fatness? Again, it, fool is the key word. We do. We're, we're sort of empowered to continue in a way. And we have been our appetites have been fed and so what are you going to do in the flesh we're going to do the Mm. same thing to come to the same end amen it's good very good and um so the odious woman when she's married um and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress the, the you the the um the idea that this uh, being an inappropriate match for the person, right, brings out not the best in them, but the worst in them. They become pretentious, pretentious and uh, devoid of understanding, arrogant and disagreeable, just as you said. And have this, uh, there's a little bit of, so <laughs> it may be kind of funny <laughs> because uh, the imagery is also one that takes you away, like a fool when he is filled with food, right? Immediately, I'm just looking at that and thinking he'll probably just act like he is on top of the world. He will just yeah. be, you know, um, 
boast or buoyed up in his own foolishness and continue in the way, right? And there we have it. Uh, Yeah, without without understanding, we can absolutely tie ourselves in a uh, prideful knot or a sinful knot without understanding and knowing that the blessing of God, only the blessing of God brings forth abundance or sufficiency. So go on with verse 24. You said you were going to pick in. I was going to chime in on 23 a little earlier when you read it. And it's sort of a a mirror of the servant now reigning. And, you know, when you read these words flat on their face, you go, oh, well, what's wrong with that? You know, we're, we're, (laughs) I thank you Lord Jesus. We're so living in our subjective experiences that even to come out of our own thinking with certain words or what they call trigger words, you know, they trigger you to think about something in a certain way. And if you have compassion Mm -hmm. for it, you tend to reach out in compassion, even if you don't have full understanding (laughs) of what's being said here. Or if you hate it, you tend Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden have this aversion to what's possibly going to be said here because of the words that trigger you. But think about what you said was perfect. And this is a mirror. The handmaid um, who is heir to her mistress. Think about that. You've got the odious woman when she's married. That's one thing. Then the handmaid. What's mm-hmm. the issue with the handmaid who's heir to her mistress? And the idea here mm-hmm. um, by some is that um, basically there's an order that is not happening, just like with the servant taking mm-hmm. over. It's not that there's anything wrong with being a servant or being a handmaid. That's not the point. But when the, the, the natural order of things is now switched and changed and upset, that can be problematic. It's sort of like the child leading the parent. How about that? Let's just do that. Mm-hmm, if the mm-hmm. writer had said that. So now you have an upset of proper order and you're not worthy now to be in that position. That's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. So these things mm-hmm. are not, these things disquiet. Let's go back to how he started this series. What the earth is disquieted by these things. Yeah. And yeah. for these things, the earth cannot bear. And that is having your servants and your mistresses turn around, take positions they're not worthy of, not insightful, and don't have an understanding of. It has nothing to do with their potential. Let's take it out of the, the realm of the way we see this in our life. We tell our kids who, you know, are doing certain things, no, you can do that. You know, well, they've got to be trained up in it. Let's face it, I'm not going to give them the position. You know, you can be a doctor, you sure can mm-hmm. right after this training. <laughs> but right now, you're not going to be the doctor. So the upset <laughs> of order is what I um, got out of this. And um, it, it, it's interesting because uh, I was thinking, um, and I may have just lost that, but that's what I got from that second part of 23, mm-hmm. the handmade heir to her mistress not in the way that we see it but in terms of the upset of the proper order of things and then that's why it disquieting and i think of a a book quickly if you ever want to read a book it's not a christian book it's secular um only know a little bit about the author but it's called (laughs) the unknown world and it has to do with slavery and how the servants who eventually because of a turn of events which was interesting on the plantation on the farm where they lived became the uh master they 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 got hold of the property the problem Mm. in this the known world was that they turned around and became exactly the 
the, the thing and the personality yeah. that they um, were oppressed under. And so their lot, mm. their attitude, their pride, their arrogance was no different than what mm. um, they had, you know, had to live under, under the master in there. So here again, that, not that we want to say, well, that was the proper order of things. That's not my point. <laughs> but my point was it's a, it's a picture yeah. of the a reversal happening and not having right. any benefit after the reversal, it doesn't benefit you. It disquiets and upsets. And if the slavery image isn't the best one, it, again, the reversal, however, didn't bring us a benefit. That was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> um, there was nothing <laughs> learned. There was no proper uh, guidance and instruction into being in that position, period. Okay. And you know what? I'm, yeah, that's exactly it. And, and light touch has given us a, just a little statement, one without disposition or training to rule, the servant right. without ability to rule. So, so and, and that's, thank you, order is just my word. The order is upset. And it isn't that you wouldn't want a handmaiden to advance in station. It is that you don't want that handmaiden to turn around and be uh, pretentious or arrogant or rule or lord over people without understanding or the servant or the slave or, or any of that. That is the thing. And so there is a way that order can be established and people can still um, uh, gain, but it has to be established. Okie dokie, keep going. I'm enjoying this so very much. This is my favorite oh. chapter in, in Proverbs, and I know so little about <laughs> it, but go on. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh. Uh, yes. I, uh, again, and the more you read it, um, you know, you read it, and then you read it again in this conversation, and you go, "Oh yeah, you know, it really it, it behooves us to like keep reading these and sort of delving into them, so the wonder mm -hmm. of the word can really surface." Um, I know back in we were talking about the. Um, I think as the uh, the leeches, like if we jump up quickly, we'll come back to the end here. But if we just go back a little bit to 15, for instance, um, talking about the horse leech. And so mm -hmm. it is a horse leech, like literally, you know, yeah. practically simple to say the word horse leech for some reason. But uh, once you kind of <laughs> get that image in your head, um, that there is uh, um, the, the leeches. And, and it has two daughters crying. Now, here is when we, we got a little poetic license here. Um, I don't believe it means the leech's daughters, but the imagery here, and that's why I love that you brought in that word poetry uh, earlier on. Um, just, um, excuse me, just that the leeches cry. What do leeches do? They're known to suck the blood from something or to suck out mm -hmm. the substance of something. Okay. And there are mm -hmm. two things that are not satisfied here. So the idea of it's crying, give, give, meaning it's never mm -hmm. satisfied. Um, it's going to then, you know, keep pulling from the source that his, it has latched onto. And so we got the idea of the leech needing to be quickly, when that happens, what do you do? Um, you have to take action to get rid of the leech, right? You get, you take action yeah. to get rid of it. Um, but the idea is that this is doing damage to something. So you either need to make sure that you don't have this happen to you or you need to get rid of it. So it says before that there's a generation whose teeth, teeth are our swords and their jaw, teeth as knives to devour uh, the poor from off the earth. 
and the needy from among the men. And that simply meant that basically there's a move of the way that we live to take advantage of those who are vulnerable. That's what I was trying to look for, the words there. Take advantage of the ones who are vulnerable. Who are the most vulnerable? People who are in a weak position are the ones who are vulnerable. And so there's not a lot of uh, resistance. And poor would represent definitely the vulnerable. Uh, you don't want the poor to be governed by somebody who can then later manipulate them. Uh, it, you know, so to stay, they are in a vulnerable position. So this is a generation of people who have teeth. They are set with their swords. They want to devour the vulnerable, the poor, the weak from off the earth and the needy from among men. Then you have the idea of the leeches coming in. They're crying, give, give, just like sucking the blood there. And the idea is, you know, as I understand it, is to, um, that this has to be eliminated um, or, you know, you have to take some sort of action against mm -hmm. that because that's what they will do continually, suck and take from you. And then it says there are three things that are never satisfied. Again, the grave, the barren room. So, you know, going back and looking at these verses and sort of layering them, I keep reading the verse again even as I explain to myself, because I keep trying to stay focused on what is the message then? What is mm -hmm. the message here? Particularly when there is some imagery and, you know, make no mistake, imagery, imer imagery doesn't, is not meant to confuse you. If anything, it's meant to clarify. <laughs> so when you mm -hmm. have text and we say things like something's figurative, it's not that the Bible, which people will claim is confusing and it's not straightforward and how do you know? And there are 50 million interpretations. Well, there might be variations like non, uh, what Mont Phillips was saying the other day, there's a unity in the conclusions that we come to, even if the way we're coming to them and what we're seeing is seen slightly different, make no mistake, the message stays the same. That's why at the end of every conversation, there's an amen, <laughs> okay? Because we see how they begin amen. to blend and mesh together and the, the, the main message that God has provided for you may be the same, even if some details seem to have slight uh, variations. So here, figurative language, uh, if there's imagery to be had, again, we're explaining scripture out of the context of the culture in which it was written. And so some of these things would have been readily self-explanatory and maybe to the hearer in a way that it's just not for us because the, the, the wording might be different. But if you break it down, we can find our own wording and we quickly get our own images in the, 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 the society we live in. We can see. So we're just trying to break it down to help us have the pictures that they had at this time. They did. But the idea, uh, even in poetry, literally in literature, is to make it simple for you, not to confuse you mm. more. So here, again, get these images of the mm. leech as if they have two daughters yes. crying, give, give, give to me. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> what's happening here. There's an extraction that's continual and you have to shut that down. <laughs> okay. You've got to shut that down. Okay. Good. Very good. Now, uh, and we went through the earth trembling Verse 21, right? The servant with each of the king. And, um, you know, so I was trying to find what a coney is. I, I'm thinking they're kind of people because the, it says they are but a feeble folk. Okay, so verse 24 starts with, did, did I skip too far? No, I didn't. 
Yeah, By the way, oldest woman. I apologize, everybody. So keep going. Right. Yes, started. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah. Verse 24. But that was good. Thank you. The horse leech. I, I really wanted to uh, tackle that one too. There are four things which are little upon the earth, little tiny upon the earth, uh, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. Mm-hmm. And we know what ants do, you know. Uh, sometimes you get ants in the house and wonder, how are you going to, you, are you building your house in here? Please get outside <laughs> where there's plenty of good sand and dirt, but don't build your house in here. But they are very, very, uh, uh, what is the word, diligent. And um, they are in advance of a season. They prepare. They are an exceeding wise group of little tiny, tiny creatures. And they're almost, some of them are pinpoint size. You can hardly see them. And then there are, um, yet they provide their food in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. Feeble, weak, but they can make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth all of them by bands. And my husband's from Ethiopia, he'll tell you when there's a locust swarm, they are all one mine and they will mm. take down a mm-hmm. field in in seconds. They just swoop in and it's all gone. That's this is food. They're taking down planted plantings. It's amazing. And then the lizard taketh hold with her hands, yet is in king's palaces. Yeah, the lizard has to move with the clutch, the claw, and they can climb and they can do things. And where was that with the spiders in king, the king's palaces anyway? Yes. So, um, yes. You, you want to give us um, a breakdown? Oh, yeah. Not really mm-hmm. a breakdown. I just noticed when you said, oh, what's a coney? So that little rabbit okay. that's there, and I think oh, that right. you hit is that it's a, a, it's a there's another name for it, um, but mm-hmm. like they are, you know, the small, vulnerable, weak. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just sort of clarifying yes. the vocabulary there. Um, that's good. And, and notice and, here, there's um, no answer in contrast. I, I, again, I'm enjoying this more than I thought I, I was going to. <laughs> the fact that it's just a statement <laughs> that the conies are feeble folk, yet they do this. Um, the, I, you know, these verses right here, these three in particular, letting you know the capability of, again, the more vulnerable or the capability of the, how, how they, like the locust penetrating into what? The king's place, the spider being there, but he's in king's palaces. I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. And we could go on and say, oh, so then how do, what, what kind of message are we getting from these statements? Um, what, what is this information telling me? What do you think it's telling you, Phyllis? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's telling me the very thing that either is, you know, undesirable, has abilities to seep its way into places where you would think, um, there would be a barrier to keep them back. For instance, the locust, uh, I mean, the spider going into the king's palaces. The locust having no king, yet they go forth um, as bands, meaning there's, and this mm-hmm. one's different. Nothing, there's a force to be reckoned with, okay? This is a force to be reckoned mm-hmm. with, even though they don't have one, together they can make havoc. And then 
the Coonies being the feeble folk, yet their houses are in the rocks. That's that's a con that is uh an irony, right? That they are feeble, yet they're mm -hmm. in a place that's rocky, hard, right? How mm -hmm. can they maintain mm -hmm. themselves? Yet they do. So it's just kind of worth a fun conversation right over dinner to figure out what messages we're getting from well I think to apply? the message yeah. yeah remember there there are four things which are little tiny upon the yes. earth but they are exceeding wise and here their tininess is in comparison to our our own size we're much bigger than that we have, yes. we have a bigger brain definitely and we have more strength even the weakest of us has more strength than the feeble coney or the little tiny uh, uh, creatures that are mentioned here, right? And yet they possess a wisdom that many people, many who are much greater than they are, do not possess. I think that this is a constant contrast the Lord is showing us. You should really, really consider and really, truly, when you start thinking about how an ant can deal or a coney can deal, you think about yourself. And what we do is we um, we justify our thing, our lack, by saying that these creatures are programmed to do what they do, and yet they are doing it against the odds of their potential as those little creatures that they are, right? Beautiful. And so it cannot be. Uh, Benny Hinn Jr. into the live studio. Well, welcome Benny Hinn Jr. So this chapter is like a building crescendo in the pure essence of God's word. His word is flawless. I love this uh, light touch. It is for own good to take, for our own good to take heed and follow righteousness, to seek to live in the holy way. His word is a covering for the small, the weak, the oh, good gracious, the vulnerable. His favor provides for those of us. This is the wisdom truly taught mm -hmm. by God. That is mm -hmm. beautiful. Amen. It is really good. Absolutely. I see the contrast and you see God's message. He can do it. He really can do it. Praise his name. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okie dokie. Mm -hmm. So we go on. Yeah. Um, and here we are finally. Where are we? At verse 29, there are th three things which are stately in their march, yea, four which are stately in going. The lion, which is mightiest among beasts, and turneth not away from any. The greyhound, as he goat, as a, uh, the he goat also, and the king against whom there is no rising up. I find that also to be really um, the kind of the same. We're looking at this. They're stately. There's an there's a um, a majesty in these animals or in these images, uh, and yet, like I said, he looks at three and say, "But yes, four are, are even better. Here, here are four that I can tell you about in their going. The lion, uh, who is a very very brave and amazing creature, the." Uh, Strutting cock <laughs> replaces the greyhound, but think mm -hmm. of you know the peacock. Just look at the majesty of these animals, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as we again are contrasting the way of man, they're beautiful in their way. Um, let's see, there there are uh, a significant thing about the whole chapter is that there is no 
philosophizing or moralizing in it. Right. The graphic, well-defined pictures that are presented here are loaded with spiritual implications and moral teachings, but they are not pointed out. We are we are extracting it as we read and what comes to your heart and mind. Like like touch, I'm thinking, what a what a great insight that God is showing us, you know, that He is there and He can provide for the vulnerable, the least of these. And the theological implications are left implicit, enriching the observer's mm-hmm. delight in he he has eyes to see, but not intruding in on it. And I love that. That's from a commentary here. By the way, Coney was right there before me. I've looked in every book that I could find. And <laughs> it's right here in the, in the page. But I'm reading from, uh, sometimes I read from the study light. If I really can't get it on my own, I'll, I'll look look there and see. Here it is, and and I love that he's not forcing a a teaching, but he's just letting you think about it. You know, it's almost like um, rhetoric. Uh, the the way rhetoric works on your mind mm-hmm. is for me Absolutely. to say it in a certain way. Yeah, right. Yes, you have to consider it in the way that it comes, and however it is interpreted within you. Is what what makes it meaningful. So that there it is. Yeah. If 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 you can see these images, then you can see how stately they are. And against their stateliness, their courage, their the way they move and the way they exist, how do you see yourself? Right? What is it about me that makes me like this? Or not like this. Apparently, God is pleased on some level with the majesty of things, with the mm-hmm. stateliness of a thing, with the walk, uh, our going. I liken that unto your Christian walk. Do you walk in dignity and in integrity? And you walk with confidence, a boldness, a courage? Do you show off? the beauty of your relationship with God. Do I do that? Am I like the ant? Do I prepare for moments in time when there may be a need? Do I, uh, so that comparison is with myself and you make the judgment. I like that. So, Anna, you want to take us on in to the um, verse 32 is a, Sextet on pride and anger is a super a super a subscript that I get here. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, thou is you, everybody. I try to translate it when I read it. Lay your hand on your mouth. I like this one. <laughs> For the churning of milk bringeth forth butter. Go ahead. Tell me what you no, what you're keep, thinking keep in reading. this. I want. Let's read. This oh, first. the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, butter, and ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood, but the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. Powerful. Yes. Powerful. So two different thoughts here, uh, though they seem to blend together. One better basically to be quiet instead of exalting yourself so in 32 i'm Mm -hmm. getting the foolish lifts up you know him or herself um, or has thought of evil so lay your hand to your mouth if you have done Mm -hmm. foolishly in lifting yourself up 
or had that evil thought, lay your hand on your mouth. It is better for you to, now I tell you immediately um, what comes to my mind is the whole idea of lifting myself up and then what tends to happen in the flesh afterward is that we have a lot to say. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. It's almost like I'll look at it in the, the work scene if you've ever um experienced it or seen it um you seem to be on a, a roll <laughs> and pride can seep into any context of living so you know you can sort of feel like you're there and you're on a roll and sometimes that lifting up of yourself um foolishly lifting up ourselves or and i hope that's none of us but even those who do that in that context and plan to do evil or there's some sort of self-aggrandizement that they're really after and so what they're doing really is a way to sort of exalt themselves um mm-hmm. it is better to shut your mouth and that it doesn't give a why necessarily but i think what i'm hearing is that what spills out after that actually is just an expression of what was laying in the heart and it's going to be exposed. And so there is no humbleness. And I got, I used that word. That wasn't my word. There's no humbleness of heart there. But I got a picture of what happens when we eventually um, open our mouths. I think it was, is an exposing, exposing that happens. Um, so my actions and my motivations and the building up of myself, even for evil, starts within. But the minute I open my mouth, and this, again, this is my, what came to me. And this and that is that you expose yourself. Eventually people will hear and see really um, this haughtiness that's happening. So it's almost better just to shut up and don't say anything and try to almost, mm-hmm. and that, that's the image I got. Maybe you got something else because sometimes we are a little questioning on, hmm, wonder what the writer actually meant when they wrote it because that's what I'm hearing in my head. Yeah, when I when I did this, if you've done foolishly, see past tense for me, if it's already done in, in right. uh, you know, exhorting yourself, lifting yourself up, doing this proud thing, or if you've thought evil, even thought evil, remember, yeah. a thought for the Lord is the action itself. We mm-hmm. think if we're thinking it, that we're getting by, but the Lord knows that what you're thinking is a reflection of your the condition sure. of your heart. So he's saying here, well, what the image I get is late. You know, you see on on TV lots of times. He, uh, if a, I'm thinking of you got mail and how the young girl there would say some things uh, that she would be regret right as soon as she was saying it, she would just cover her mouth, just lay her hands right over up. Uh-huh, what right. shut up she's telling herself to shut up you know stop and then she would say why do i always do that you know so yeah, that's kind of the image mm-hmm, that comes mm-hmm. to me when i'm reading that and then this whole business of uh church churning milk that brings forth butter now that that is um these are the this is what you should do if you've done this so uh lay your hand upon your mouth for the churning of milk bring it forth butter I don't know if that is a negative or a positive, right? Um, let's see. To do such things brings forth violence and strife, so says this commentary, uh, just as naturally as churning but brings butter. Or if you wring somebody's nose, you're going to cause um, uh, the nose to bleed. Or if you force wrath, you will bring forth strife. 
and the foolishly lifting up yourself results. It's like doing these things. So lay your hands on your mouth and then understand for the what you've done. This is what the result is going to be. So lay your hands on your mouth. That could have been the last line. So if you have done these things foolishly in your heart, it's like churning milk, bringing forth butter. And it's like wringing your nose and it's like forcing wrath. So lay your hands on your mouth and shut up, really, in a word. (laughs) Just don't do it anymore, right? (laughs) And at this point, um, I want to read light, light touch comments. Uh, uh, we were talking about the ants uh, or the, what were we talking about? Oh, the, 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 those are going. She says we should be so wise as to walk in these attributes, respect, courage, grace, integrity in the image of our God. We are his image bearers. We should be mindful of this daily for the cause of our faith and to lift our father who created all things. Sit down and be humble. Okay, and you remember now as something I was reminded of a of a um a proverb that we read uh, earlier. The uh, curse causeless will not come. The curse causeless will not come. So the flip of that would be um uh, a a causeless. If you are innocent of a thing, no curse will will come to you. That's how this is. If you don't do it, then you have to you don't have to deal with the rest of this, you know, uh forcing wrath and you know just being totally out of order. I love the I love the out of order uh phrase because with God there is order. There is a way to do a thing. And so that's what I'm I, I'm thinking here. If you just do it by the in the right way. And listen, the mouth is really a treacherous uh part of our being. We just sometimes we just talk too much and sometimes we just say the wrong thing and other times we are using the wrong tone. It could be right, but you're saying it all wrong. So uh, just, you know, kind of take heed here. Take heed. And a footnote to that 33 too, Phyllis, is just that one thing will surely happen. Like the churning of the milk, it brings forth butter. If you get that image in your right. head, it helps. It's going to come. If you put it through that mesh or you turn, you will see the butter happen. If you wring your mm-hmm. nose, blood's going to mm-hmm. happen. Okay, so like that. Mm-hmm. And so I had the simile here again. Um, mm-hmm. So like that, the forcing of wrath will bring forth strife. So it's inevitable that it's going to happen. Just like churning brings forth butter and bringing of the nose is going to bring forth blood like that surety then forcing wrath is going to bring strife period like so it's right yeah uh, in addition to I, I wonder do you hear do, do you hear the uh outcome of this uh, uh pride this lifting up yourself do you hear that outcome being that you are forcing wrath uh, to bring forth strength. If I understood you correctly, one, I see the connection. <laughs> uh, I do. The forcing yeah. of wrath, I think, often comes as a result of our pride or some pride. Yes. Something is yes. lifted up there. Too. So on one okay. hand, I know I started and said there are two different ideas and they are. You can take them separately. But I also see the way they are fused in terms of outcomes. Again, that forcing of the pride, that brings them the strife. So the connection, yeah, it's it's. Your articulation of some things, by the way, is really good. So I'm not going to try to articulate that. But yes, I see it. 
<laughs> and you have been such an, you really, really opened this up. And I am so thankful to the Lord that you've come. You know, uh, to all of you who are in the, um, in the live audience here, I so appreciate your, your attention. Your coming actually motivates us on this end to do uh, the best job that we can, of course, but to also assess where uh, there is interest. And uh, we've had such good participation in the reading of the Proverbs. And we have one the evening session and tomorrow's final session to go. And I do uh, pray that you will come tomorrow for sure. Because as I said, I think that um, it's going to be a, a real kind of capping to what we have done throughout the reading of the Proverbs. I have loved it and I have enjoyed every comment. I think sometimes you're listening, you may not, you may be shy to give a comment, but well, first of all, we don't know you, you see. So if you give a comment and, and it's not a good one, so what? It's no big deal. But every comment is a good one because what it does is it, it either agrees with uh, what we're saying or it extends what we're saying. It also reveals a further uh, interpretation or further impact in the hearts and minds of those who are reading. It is good to share and you should never feel intimidated by other people's being here because I'm telling you, we are people who read the Bible and pray. That's who we are. You know, we, some of us have taken a few classes here and there. I just finished a wonderful a reading of, of the book of Matthew with a, a, a good good teacher, but he, you know, it was very relaxed and, and it was easy. So we're not, you know, the people on the other end of that stick. We are podcasters <laughs> and here we are doing the best we can to reach the world with the thing that has been so wonderful to us. And that is our relationship with a great heavenly father. And I invite you to come again to share your thoughts and to bring someone because we want others to know how great and good God is, how his love covers and embraces, how there is not one person that he is not totally in love with and how he would not that any man should perish since he has given us this invitation to come into his kingdom to accept his forgiveness and the washing away of our sinful selves so that we might in, uh, live with him in eternity this would be a wonderful thing i so thank you very much for being here. And uh, thank you for coming, Priscilla. I didn't see you enter. Tony, hi there. Did not see you enter either. And um, my wonderful family. Okay, no good. Yes, I know you're in school. Tony's in school. He comes often and he comes when he can and he shares. And I've never laid eyes on Tony. I've got to know Tony through the podcast. Priscilla, thank you. Uh, Benny Hinn Jr., thank you. And then some handles, Light Touch, you know you're always a, a blessing. And we have SVCBMBBY, thank you for coming and for liking the show. Thank you for, let's see, who else do we have here? Um, I want to call every name. I try to greet you when you come in. Eugene Mondlane, thank you very much for 
are visiting with us today, please come again. Oh, a light touch. I called you night touch. That's okay. And Mark Monikam, Manikam, <laughs> and uh, Blasky, yes, and P. Maniford. How about that? Uh, Boam, Boam Cristiano, 98. Okay, I'm sorry. I can't uh, pronounce some of these, and they're not meant to be pronounced. And Freshen, Anna Kane has been our reader for today and expositor, and I always enjoy you so much. You're so thorough. I got to tell you guys that she is uh, a literature uh, person. She uh, works in literature. That's her field. And so she's best to help us to dig into certain elements of the, the, the uh, way things are structured and what they mean. I love that. It, it just opens our eyes all the more. Oh, may God be praised. So, you know, every day we eat from a table that the Lord our God has set. Welcome, Henry. We're just at the end. I'm sorry that you're coming in because you missed a good one this morning, Henry. I got to tell you. And uh, I might be able to convince. No, we have a reading from a young man this evening. But you know what, guys? If you missed any of the reading of the Proverbs, we've had a ball, truly. Uh, they will be uploaded to the our, our episode list. And that probably be in the next couple of weeks, you can go back and read them. And I really encourage you to do it. You know, read the Proverbs and to listen, because honest to goodness, listen, I have been through Proverbs many a time and marked up my Bible and everything. But I heard Proverbs this time in a way that I had not before. God bless you all for being here. And I pray that wherever you are today, that the language of his glory from the heavens and from the mountains and from the ocean and from the land and the seas. I pray that that glory speak to you and let you know and understand that his law is perfect. There is no error in God's law. And so when we enter into his a relationship with him and we begin to follow his law, your expectation and your hope will be realized because he leads you down the right path. May the Lord bless you wherever you are. May he draw you closer, nearer to him so that you actually have relationship and are communicating with him. He says, my sheep, that's what we become. We become his sheep. We are sheep anyway, the dumbest of animals. We're going astray without his help. But when we enter into the kingdom, we become his sheep. We hear his voice. He becomes our shepherd. And he uses the rod and the staff to both comfort us and to guide us. God is amazing. And when you begin to know him, you'll find that he truly is more wonderful than you ever imagined. I tell you, it's been a good meal. And I pray that you go away rejoicing, even as we are rejoicing and knowing that the Lord God has fed you sufficiently and he will make it real. We ask that he plant every word deep within, not our words, but his words, and that you will experience the growth in your spirit that makes you his child, his planting, a tree of righteousness. Have a great day, 8.30 tonight, 2 o'clock on Sunday here in the U.S. Maybe you are somewhere that might be Monday, whatever, but the next day, 
after to, to this evening. It's going to be our last and final chapter. Come join us and be ready to just tell us what you're thinking. Love it. Have a great day. Thank you, Anna Kane. Thank you, Light Touch. Goodbye. <laughs>